and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 121. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's first season episodes, Vox Sola, Fallen Hero, and Desert Crossing. Here we go. Vox Sola, Season 1, Episode 22, Production Number 122, Original Air Date, May 1st, 2002, Directed by Roxanne Dawson, Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Fred Decker, Teleplay by Fred Decker, Music Composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Vaughn Armstrong as Kretasin Captain, Joseph Will as Crewman Michael Rostov, and Renee Goldsberry as Crewman Kelly. Following an extremely awkward first contact meal with an alien race, Archer struggles to learn what offended his strange guests, while Hoshi works frantically to decipher their incredibly complex language. Unsuccessfully at communication, Archer and Hoshi watch helplessly as the Contestians return to their ship disengaged. However, the Enterprise officers do not see a fibrous web-like creature propel itself along the alien off the alien hull, then leap onto the Air Enterprise airlock just as the door shuts. I'm not sure if you appreciate how alien this creature is. It's not attacking our crewmen, it's trying to integrate them into itself. The end result's the same. At some point in the very near future, there won't be six life forms in that cargo bay. There'll only be one. Voxola. Uh, Steve, kick us off on Voxola. Uh, well, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I vaguely recalled this episode as it began. And I kind of had a, oh yeah, this one, you know, once I saw the, them get all caught up in the hair gel in the cargo bay or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what, the what, how much, what to say about this really. I, I, I think it kind of, it, mm. I mean, you know, it doesn't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of this episode. Um, I think it's got it, it's kind of it's some interesting concepts. And I like the idea of you know they're they're trapped in this situation in this uh, this creature, this life form that they all begin you know becoming one mind and this kind of thing. You know, that's that's somewhat interesting, I suppose. But um, um, overall, it doesn't this doesn't do much for me this episode. Adam, what are some of your first thoughts? Um, <clears throat> probably a little bit of the opposite of Steve. I didn't think it was like the greatest episode, but I was entertained, and they went a little bit more depth into the communication thing, you know, with Hoshi. I like that storyline with her and to Paul, her struggling. I mean, I know we've seen it a few times already in the season, but she's kind of struggling to refine herself through failure, and I I like that um, dynamic between her and um um to Paul. Um. The the creature itself is kind of I don't know it reminds you of like something first season next gen or um, so it wasn't the best but I did I did like the concept of this creature trying to find its way back home when I first started watching this I do it's a memorable episode because of the web I couldn't quite remember I didn't remember the plot line but I was like I was a little not too sure about it like Steve going in but I kind of felt like everybody in this in the cast had something to do and was a part of the story. It wasn't, um, it was kind of hard to focus this episode in on one character, um, because there's so much going on. The, the little dynamic between trip and Archer when Archer's trying to lift him up and kind of just more, I wouldn't call him a father figure, but more of like a big brother, um, 
that's kind of the dynamic that I see between Archer and Trip. Um, and you see that a little bit in this episode as well. Yeah, I think we're going to get some of that in Desert Crossing as well. Um, you know, the stuff that I like in this episode, it kind of burns out early on. But the things that I like, I, I like. Um, I like the... Uh, well, you know, I always say I like... I like some of the more mundane stuff where this here's life on the ship. You know, Enterprise, we get, we probably get more of that on Enterprise than maybe any other show. Um, from watching, we're planning to watch a movie to uh, watching water polo. Um, you know, so I, I do enjoy that kind of stuff. S- some stuff that's different in this episode that I like. Uh, I think that, uh, was it Roxanne Dawson directed this one? Mm-hmm does a good job with um, kind of the tone and keeping it dark, especially in the first, you know, act or so. First, I don't know, third of the episode probably. Um, when we're first seeing the creature in Cargo Bay and we first go in there and it's all dark and moody and the score, you know, most of the time I don't really notice the score on this show, uh, but the score in this episode I thought, I would, I thought was particularly good. Um, Paul Belarcheron? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I even like, I don't know, I I don't know if they were purposely trying to make some kind of reference, but it felt like it, you know, early on when we see those two people in engineering, (laughs) you're like, oh, they're red shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so obvious that they're red shirts, you know. It'll just take you 10 minutes to fix it. And I'm just thinking, (laughs) more like 10 minutes to die. (laughs) Am I right? Yeah, so you know, I I kind of I I enjoyed that stuff. I I did, um, but then, kind of the longer it went on, uh, the less focused it kind of felt. And uh, you know, I for example, I I liked that. I, I agree with you, Adam. I like the the Sato and uh, Tapao storyline. Um, that was some cool stuff. I love whenever Tapao's like, you know, she kind of stops Hoshi in her tracks, you know, I hold you to a higher, high standard ensign because I know you're capable of it or something like that. It's like, Oh snap. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, so I, I I like some of that, but, but then when you really follow the storyline, some of it, it's, it's one of those head scratchers. Like when they actually go in there and she communicates with the alien, it's like after all this and they get the force field set up, that's kind of a cool storyline too. If you think about, Oh, you've never seen Mm -hmm. a force field like Mm -hmm. that in Star Trek. I guess they don't have that in the brig or whatever, you know. Um, after all that, um, Soto so, so, Sato just asks, "What do you want?" and it gives her some coordinates. That's yeah, that's it. It's like, couldn't it have just, you know, couldn't have like Trip and Archer been? The, I don't know why, but I can't get these following numbers out of my head. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? That made it a little bit more efficient. Otherwise, it's yeah. like, what? What is this? What was the creature trying to achieve? What was it going to achieve by taking them captive? If it's if it is sentient and even intelligent, it it, it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. I think I think in the first act, when it was just like, you know, alien, like as in um, Ridley Scott, <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that it it was it was scary and it was interesting to me, you know, and and um. And I was enjoying it, and I was with it when I thought it was just going to be, you know, that would have been a little a level of focus, I suppose, um, when I thought it was going to be, you know, kind of a 
scare story, a horror story. Um, and I'm not saying you can't go somewhere else, but it seems like they kind of went some other places and they weren't quite sure. And it didn't, it wasn't enough of a payoff. And I guess by the end of the episode, it felt like a pretty weak resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it felt like they were taking Odo back to the. <laughs> well, I liked how Flock set his penis free. That was <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that was um, a unique experience. And it, I mean, it is kind of cool when the camera kind of pulls back. Right, I see. thought this was a family show. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when the camera pulls back and you kind of see the whole planet is, or at least that continent or something is 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 covered in this single entity. I mean, that's kind of interesting. But we didn't they didn't really go anywhere. Um, with that, uh, with that, um, I thought uh, you know, Mayweather in his one scene. You said it, it, this is—it's kind of fun because this episode gives everybody something to do. I—that's uh, true. You know, Mayweather's thing he gets to do when he apologizes to that alien to get the goo mm-hmm. coordinates. Um, he like stands up and he's talking with his hands, and it. <laughs> I like it as a person. I think he's a cool guy, and he mm-hmm. had—he has his moments and stuff. But you know he he's probably the weakest actor on this show, and um, it seems like that. I think that probably it makes me realize why there weren't a lot of Mayweather episodes written. You know, uh, I don't know. You guys agree or disagree with any of these points? No, I think I, <laughs> I think Steve liked it less than you and I did. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with some of the some of the things you said that are interesting. Some of the uh, the small things, you know, the small, small character things. It's really just it'd be, it'd be nice to take all those small little moments and just put them into an entirely different premise yeah, of an episode. episode. I mean, it's just yeah. it's it's goofy too. I mean, you know, I mean, and things you can you can have a pretty bizarre you know thing going on there as far as the the set and you know, frosting or whatever you want to say all over everyone. And it's, you know, fine. But if it doesn't, if it's not really intriguing and, you know, you find all these holes, then it just makes it seem silly. And that's, that's kind of how it struck me talking about, yeah. in the time with the language thing too, it makes it wrap up so quickly. And it's like, all right, we're here. Thanks. Drop everyone off, go. And then meanwhile, the humanoid species at the top of the episode, we had such trouble communicating with these humanoids yet. We can figure out the language of this goo <laughs> in no time, you know, yeah. whatever. Silly. Maybe what they should have done at the outset, you know, instead of running at the beginning when everyone else got captured, Reed could have like pulled out an energy bar, hmm. <laughs> starts to eat it, right? The alien gets, the, the goo gets so offended. <laughs> no, I see what you, so I like how they got there. I mean, because I think um, at least Brian and I agree that we like um, the Hoshi and Paul. how they got to that end scene, but they have to wrap it up so quick. And I, I see what you're saying, Steve. It's just like, you know, just a couple tweaks and you know they got it figured out especially when they have the contrast of normal people so i see where you're coming from there so the payoff with that to paul and hoshi build up wasn't i mean you know they just had to end the episode really quick there wasn't a whole lot that they could do with that after that even like uh when reed needs to get some data uh from the flocks fragment um Mm-hmm. And he wants to do some tests, and Fox is like, "No, you can't do that." But I'll do the tests for you. But you can't, you can't do it because that's basically torture. He's like, "But, I, but I really want to." He says, "No, you can't." He says, "Okay." Um, <laughs> even that, it's it's a little bit like, I don't know. 
It felt forced. A, a red herring in the middle of the episode or something, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're going mean, to, that's, that's heavy. And if you're going to do that, do it. But otherwise, come on, you know? Yeah, again, it comes down to focus. Like, put all your uh, put all your energy into something, not just a whole bunch of things. It's almost like they had to throw in the obligatory this and that all throughout the episode, you know. And it's kind of like the the Tapal Hoshi stuff, which I don't think is bad. It's just that for some reason, a lot of the time, we I don't know how many times we've seen them together, and there's this kind of Hoshi gets fended down herself, and Tapal's pushing. Her. I mean, in some way, shape, or form, it's a little different each time, I guess. But it starts feeling like the same thing because it's just yeah. brushed on, brushed upon so quickly. I mean, they, if you want to bond them together, you want to have some kind of relationship there and this mentor mentee thing, then then give it some meat and have some conversation, some history, and do stuff, and not just kind of like touch on it every time. You know, it's it makes it just seem like here we go again with this. So there it went. You know, every time. Yeah. Well. You know, hopefully, if they're going to be fair about it, I think Tapao in this episode puts it to bed forever. Right. Mm -hmm. So, if, now if they come back to it, it's really disingenuous. Yeah. What's this episode about, guys? Something Coming to together with, to fight goo. Something to do with goo. Something to do with mm. Yeah, that's where I kind of ran into trouble with this episode. Even like I said, even though I I kind of liked it, <clears throat> I was having a little bit of a hard time. I liked this episode for you know ten or fifteen minutes, uh, and then not so much. But uh, not so much that it ruins the first ten or fifteen minutes for me. But you know, it's probably. I mean, there's they're trying at something to do with communication, obviously, because you have the A and the B story that have some kind of something to do with communication it's just too broad you know there's not enough what are we trying to say about communication that it's difficult that you have to work at it that um you know there can be misunderstandings um you know maybe but i don't know overcoming failure yeah. pushing through a tough situation mm -hmm. i mean these aren't really i don't know i guess they're themes but they don't really seem like if we don't have much of a and I, I mean the collective we, you know, if we don't have a through line, uh, if we don't have a point of view, uh, a response, an answer, um, I don't know, just raising the question is frustrating. Mm -hmm. so we don't really have anything for what it's about. Something to do with communication. That's weak. Weak sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, good, okay, bad, great. This is okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's okay because the next episode we're going to talk about today is one that I happen to love. Um, so we're done with uh, Voxola. We don't really seem to much care for it. Adam likes it. Adam, you would say good. Steve and I say okay. Adam says good. Yeah. All right, I say good. All right. Good. I said it's entertaining. Entertaining. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> New category. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come up with what it was about, so I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying that. Like, means, I'm not I'm, show it doesn't hold up. I'm not saying like, oh my, you're you're going to walk out of this episode feeling I always remember this life. episode. I actually do. I remember this as being a first season episode though. I remember it feeling like a first season episode. Yeah, it has the the first season kind of effects that you would expect out of a first season Star Trek episode series. 
even the even the you know even the little blobby creature when it was outside and going in it was kind of cheesy graphics. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's move on, please. Six degrees for Vox Sola. Oh, hey, uh, real quick. Oh, I did enjoy the square TVs they had. What they were watching. Oh yeah, four by three ratio. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Um. Okay. Uh, uh. Adam, are you going first or second? I guess I'll go first. Joseph Will plays Rustoff, the crewman that is only upset to be encased in an alien life form because he missed the movie. He played Kellis in Voyager's sixth season. In this episode, Kellis helps Torres repair her vessel in exchange for Torres telling Kellis stories about Voyager's adventures that he can, so that he can write a play. Name the episode. Yeah, I have no idea. You give up? Yeah, I give up. I'm no Steve? Clue. It's not coming to me. No, it's not going to come to me. Muse. Oh, yes. He was her Guess muse. Guess that makes sense. Yeah. Guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Joseph Will was the same guy. He was nearly cast as one of Enterprise's principals. It was down to him and one other actor. He obviously did not get the job. Which role did he nearly get? Hmm. Is it Tucker? You are correct. Steve has one. Moving on. Fallen Hero, Season 1, Episode 23, Production Number 123, Original Air Date, May 8, 2002, Directed by Patrick Norris, Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Chris Black, Teleplay by Alan Cross, Music Composed by David Bell. Guest cast include John Rubenstein as Maserite Captain, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Pionula Flanagan as Ambassador Villar, J. Michael Flynn as Maserite Official, and Dennis Howard as Vulcan Captain. <laughs> After 10 months without a break, T'Pol notes inefficiency is down aboard Enterprise 3% and suggests shore leave on the nearby tropical planet of Ryza. Archer and Trip agree wholeheartedly and lay in a course to the exotic paradise. However, however, en route, Archer receives a transmission from Admiral Frost, informing him of a Vulcan ambassador in need of immediate extradition from a nearby planet of Marza. If you're sensing anything from me, it isn't anger. Fallen Hero. I love this episode. This is my second favorite episode of season, of season one, I believe. We're almost done, so I can confirm that shortly. But I believe Dear Doctor is slightly over this. But in the, the whole series, this is definitely in my top ten. Probably my top five. Maybe right at number five-ish, I think. Um, but there's something about this episode that's everything I like about um, the you know, the next-gen DS9 Voyager world of Star... timeline of Star Trek. Not timeline, but, you know, the, those... those that era of Star Trek production. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I like about that is in here. I'm not sure that it's much for... that it's very particularly specific to the show Enterprise. Um, I'm sure you could have done this show, you know, on another series, maybe. Um, but... I really like it. There's some, it's there's it's it's kind of a comfort 
food type episode for me. If if you've listened to our show for a long time, listeners, you may recall I talked about an episode of DS9 called Armageddon Game that way. Not a super special episode, but something about it that just, you know, hit it hit every thing I want out of and enjoy out of a Star Trek episode so I could watch that episode over and over and over. This is probably the 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 episode of Enterprise that I've definitely watched the most. Um, I think it was the first one I ever saw in HD too, because uh, I think I I think I bought this one episode digitally on Xbox or something, or, you know, just this one episode so I could watch it over and over. Um, but anyway, I I really like this episode. Um, you've got you know Fiona. Flanagan, we all love her. She's fantastic. Um, you've got, you've got uh, mystery, a little bit of intrigue. You, we see a lot into uh, a little into Tapal's character, but we see a lot into her relationship with Archer um, and the mutual respect there. Uh, whenever she eventually asks him, you know. I've never asked you for anything. Please don't return the ambassador to the Mazar. Mazar, and and you know, no question. Of course, Archer, Archer does that for her. Uh, um, we get we get the you know the action and stuff that's fun in a in a fun way. You know, the get it up to warp five, four point eight, four point nine. I love that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's been done a lot in Star Trek, but not here in Enterprise. Um, and it's called a warp five engine. On paper, this trip's response. <laughs> you know, there's so many things in this episode that just make me smile, and I enjoy it. And also, I think this episode is very funny. The, the Vulcans are always the fun, you know, they're so funny to me. Um, I laugh out loud a couple of times. I'm not even positive there's supposed to be funny lines, but it doesn't matter. Um, when Tapao says, what is it? You know, they're, they're, they're trying to get away from the three Maserite ships and uh, trying to get to the Vulcans' ships and... and uh, they get hit and drop out of warp, and Archer says, "How much? How much time before we catch up to the Vulcans, or they get here, or whatever?" So ten minutes, I think, is what she says. She says I thought you said eight minutes. She says, "That was before we dropped out of warp." <laughs> that, line is, <laughs> that line is so funny to me. That was before we dropped out of warp. Um, or um, when they when the Vulcans do show up, and the Maserites are in sick bay. And uh, the Vulcan captain comes on the screen and he says, tell the Maserites to turn over their weapons immediately or we'll destroy their ships. That is so funny to me. There he is. So matter of fact, of course. Um, uh, I don't know. This episode is uh, very enjoyable for me. One of you guys, uh, what are your first thoughts? Oh, I definitely agree. It's very enjoyable. It's very good, fast-paced. It's got a lot of character stuff in it and at the same time it's kind of an action episode um so it's got kind of got the best of both worlds um you know we've had this with archer the whole season you know the first half of the season he was so angry at vulcans and you know he was a little bit a lot more hostile even to um to paul and you know we've kind of seen this change through the sea, through the season, in this episode, you know, we still see all those things that we saw in Archer earlier in the season, but in this episode, we see he learns to to trust to Paul. I mean, not learns to trust Paul, but I mean, he, he. I mean, this is the episode where you know he's going to trust her from now on. 
So um, there's no question about it at this point. Whereas if this is the first time you're watching this series, you might be you might have wondered in the first half if these two were going to make it. Um, so um, and the, the end scene where you know she says they both have a bond. So I, I like that. I really like this episode for those two characters and what they went through. Yeah, that that end scene's a good thing. Whenever um, Valar says, uh, "I think your friendship, meaning Tapao and Archer." Uh, bodes well for the relationship between our two people. It it immediately made me think of what we think of prior to Enterprise as the relationship between the Vulcans and humans, um, you know, in a, in a positive, good way. And even if we wanted to be really specific, Spock and Kirk, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, 10 months ago in the show, I mean, he was threatening to knock her on her ass. So they've come he a He likes long that way. phrase. He uses it in the next episode. Yeah, yeah it's his favorite <laughs> curse word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all these points. I think it's a well-balanced episode. With it's very entertaining. It's got you know a little bit of everything, and you know it, it makes it very enjoyable to watch. I agree. I, I noted also that it was um, not in a bad way or anything, but it did have a kind of almost its own little style too. It was directed very tightly. It seemed like it was who directed this one? Um, Patrick Norris. Gosh, I'm not even sure. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, but I mean, I just noted like it was you know is very quick tight a lot of close-ups and things more so than usual thing i don't know things like that yeah there there were times whenever i was really struck by the quality of the hd image in a way that i'm usually not watching this show mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but because like like uh fiona villar's face a close-up i think when they were having that one of that that early dinner and she's pretty lit uh i don't mean there's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of light on her face right right uh and it's and it's a close-up which a little bit unusual maybe to see that close, but it, there was such a lot more detail that I'm used to seeing in the image in, in this show. And it was, it was striking. To mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Didn't mean to interrupt your, no, that's pretty much summed it up. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so it's, so, you know, it's funny too, because so often the episodes that we really like, they're, they're so often bottle episodes. This is a bottle episode. It, yes, they have, they have you know, an awesome guest actress, but this is a bottle episode, folks, and it's good. I wonder. Uh, I wonder. And you know, I don't know if. I mean, I, I, we'd have to like really kind of analyze in terms of bottle episodes versus not and what we deem quality and all this but i wonder if sometimes they get you get caught up in production value you know like if you're on sets or another place and you say well we got to get this in or something or we got to do this and you're not they're not focusing as much on the the meat of it you know and the you know the characters and the moving things along in the proper fashion i don't know well i mean what the this entire episode was all Aboard ship. I mean, it seemed mm-hmm. like it, it would have been a. I don't. I don't know if it would have been a super machine. Definitely, there weren't a lot of different, you know, outside sets, so they might have made it directing it a lot much more simpler, just to kind of focus on the story and what you were talking about. Right. Yeah, because you can focus on it. Then you don't have to. You don't have to worry about complexity. You know, a, a spider web in the in the cargo bay, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're they're quite worried about how to get that. Well, I think Voxola is uh, a bottle episode too. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, and I can certainly name. You know, we think about some of our favorite episodes of all time, yeah. the Visitor, the Inner Light. These are not bottle episodes. Sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, uh, there's something to what you're saying, but um, I'm not sure I'd agree that it's predominant. I don't know. But yeah, 
right? That's what I'm yeah. saying. It would, it would, we'd have to analyze that. But I wonder. Certainly, you know that we there have been times whenever uh, they've done a bottle episode that at the time it was supposed to be kind of almost a throwaway thing they were only doing to save money, and it turned out to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. We definitely saw that happen. We've definitely saw that happen plenty, like when, uh, during our next gen discussion. Um, so, yeah, there's something to it, but you know. On on a, on a show like Enterprise, I always, I don't know, Fall, Fallen Hero. When I when I think about this, compare Fallen Hero to other episodes of the first season specifically. Um, Dear Doctor, it, I I I love Dear Doctor, and I think it was such such a strong idea for an episode and a way to approach an episode that it was going to be good, even if they'd kind of mess some stuff up in it. They didn't, so it's it's like a great episode. But even if they'd messed a lot of stuff up in it, it probably still would have been good. Mm-hmm. Fallen Hero, I think, could have easily been a very okay, mundane kind of episode. Mm. Sure. But it's but it's fantastic. It's very, very, very good. Because everything in it is done so well. Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's interesting because so when I was to compare Fallen Hero to the average first season episode, and if I only if I merely looked at them on paper, without seeing the episode, if I was just reading a synopses or something, it, Fallen Hero would not stick out to me. As oh, I bet that one's going to be fantastic. That would not no, you know. So I guess I the point I, is I don't ahead. know. I don't know. I don't know if I would disagree with that. I mean, it's synopsis. You know, a, a Vulcan ambassador being expelled from a has an it's an interesting you know pitch line right there. But it doesn't sound like it's going to be super special. True. It doesn't sound like it's going to be the well, that wouldn't pique your interest. Season. That wouldn't pique your interest. I'm just saying it wouldn't stick out. It wouldn't pique my interest anything any more than the synopsis for Desert Crossing. Okay. Or probably Vox Sola even. You know. Well, when it when the when the quality of it, a lot of it is so dependent on, you know, obviously the performance performances. That's what you can't can't know going in you know if you don't know that everyone's going to be just just great or your guest actors are going to be the best they can be and all that and this this case i mean this isn't all about that relationship between um Bilar and to paul but a lot of it is and so you know if you'd have got a subpar you know guest actor for that role that there would have by yeah. on its own would have could have screwed it up you know yeah well this i mean this is a great episode just because everything hit the writing yeah, the acting yeah. the production directing editing everything came came together very well you know yeah the way i'm giddy whenever they finally <laughs> hit warp five and maybe says <laughs> warp five you know the smile on my face that's like that's awesome that's what i mean that's what they probably want in every episode but it you know Often it's always working, but it but it happens here, and that's that's it's so great, you know. If you're I probably was, lucky if you're hitting on like half of those things, you know, <laughs> writing, yeah. you know, all of it. You know. Yeah, yeah, you know, if I was only going to choose a few episodes from season one, uh, you know, Broken Bow and um, Dear Doctor and Fallen Hero, you know, but it's very. Very good episode. Uh, what's this episode about? Well, there's a lot of to me. There's a lot of growth in the DePaul and Archer characters. So I mean, I know that's kind of more of a theme. You know, they both grow. Uh, to me, they both grow a lot in this episode. Both of them, um, individually and together. 
Um, so for that, I think this episode says something about their characters and moves their characters forward a great deal. Um, I mean, you could you could look to you could say trust coming to get you know coming together to trust a, a common goal. I don't know. What do you got, Steve? Yeah, um, I, I think their their relationship definitely you know shows uh, shows growth. I think for me the the crux of it is the um, you know the title "Fallen Hero." I mean, initially, T'Pol has disappointment in you know like a, like a mentor kind of character for her, this Valar, um, because well she doesn't know the whole story early on. But you know it, it's it's there's I think for me that 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 interesting notion of people that you you idolize and you you know put on a pedestal and then inevitably either 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 that stays like that and you never know that person or ultimately that person falls off that pedestal but you may have an opportunity to build something different with them and a, and a different and interactive um you know more uh, even relationship between it's them it's important think, to be open to that too you know yeah, you, yeah. you've got to be uh open minded to be able to Instead of instead, it's a lot easier to just reject them because they're not who you thought they were or wanted them yeah. to be than it is to be open-minded and 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 you know embrace them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's hard. Was it, was it just me, or did you want to see more of DePaul and and the ambassador? More, I wanted to see more of that talk they had towards the end of the end of the episode before DePaul went and talked to Archer because they were really good together and the conversations were kind of fascinating. <laughs> I thought it. I thought it was just the right amount. I wanted. I you know, it left me wanting more. That's a good thing. I certainly didn't. Yeah. Wouldn't want to feel like it was too much. Uh, but I really like how the next scene. It's not because when you're watching it, you almost feel like it's probably gonna be. Um, um, Tapal comes in and kind of is, is. She's setting up Archer so that she can say, "I've talked to her. Now she's ready to talk to you. Here she comes." And then you know, I'm glad they didn't do that. It would have, aside from the fact that it would have felt redundant, it would have very. It would have completely changed what the episode. Sure was for me, you know, because it was about this this trust between Archer and Tapau, and 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 when she when she asks him, I've never when she says, I love that bit, you know, I've never asked you for anything. Please don't return the ambassador, you know. And we don't even have to hear Archer say, okay, mm-hmm. we we know, we know, of course. How could she ask that? And he him say, no, <laughs> <laughs> Tapau, you're crazy. <laughs> Go back to meditating. Yeah. So, so I, I love this one. A lot of comfort. Like I said, a lot of comfort food for me. Mm-hmm. This is my this is the Armageddon game of Enterprise for me. So, glad we got to talk about it. All right, let's do six degrees for Fallen Hero. Uh, Steve has one. Adam, you went first last time. Yes. So I'll give Steve the choice this time. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Fionula Flanagan plays Ambassador Valar to Powell's fallen hero. On Next Gen, she effectively played Data's mother in the episode Inheritance. What was her character's name? Jeez. Mm, um. No. Oh. Something's on the tip of my tongue. I'm afraid it's just not going to. Oh no! <laughs> it's like it's just coming in pieces. But I'm afraid I'm gonna have to sit here for too long before it would all get there. So I pass. Adam, you could have taken some more time because I don't know either. Was it? It's mother. She's the mother. Come on. Uh, I don't know her character's name. I'm, when Julia. you say it, 
Yeah. Juliana Tainer. Yeah, yeah. The the Tainer part was coming to me, but I couldn't yeah. call the other name for some reason. Uh, all right, Adam. Yes. J. Michael Flynn plays the Maserite official that sends Valar to Enterprise on a shuttle because he is rather pressed for time. In Next Gen's third season, he played one of the Angosian officials asking for Picard's help to catch the escaped war veteran slash prisoner, Roga Danar. Why were Picard and crew visiting Angosia 3 in the first place? Why have uh, they been invited to Angosia? I don't know. Angosia want to become part of the Federation? You are correct. They were being, they were petitioning the Federation for membership. Was that a guess? Yes. Well, I mean, it seemed lot. It seemed right. I knew that. It's the answer. If somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so one to one. Moving on. Desert Crossing Season One, Episode Twenty Four, Production Number One Twenty Four. Original air date May Eighth, Two Thousand Two. Directed by David Strayton. Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Andre Bormanis. Teleplay by Andre Bormanis. Music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Clancy Brown as Zobral, Charles Dennis as Chancellor Trellet, and Brandon Carter as Alien Man. <laughs> After a brief detour, Enterprise and its crew are back on their way to famed pleasure planet Ryza. Everyone is eagerly anticipating a long overdue shore leave until they pick up a distress call from an unidentified vessel, and vacation is once again delayed. Trip gets to work repairing the engines of the vessel while Archer enjoys a visit with the ship's camp captain, a ruggedly charismatic alien named Zobrel, hailing from a nearby desert planet. So Brell invites Archer and Trip to his home for a dinner in their honor. We have hundreds of camps, just like this one, all across the desert, and we are going to keep attacking the Tarothans until our voices are heard. They call us terrorists, but the truth is they have been terrorizing us for centuries. You said you brought me down here for a reason. I have a feeling it wasn't to hear a history lesson. Desert Crossing. I tried calling it Desert Crossing to trip up Steve. It didn't work. As you heard, he was cool as cucumber. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, this is another one of those where, uh, as I so often do, you know, we need we need to come up with a name for it, like like Sniglets or something. You know, uh, whenever there's like a sentence in my notes that we can take out of context. So here we have. (laughs) I can't even say it. Archer and Trip feast on testicles <laughs> and play topless sports in slow motion. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Adam, why don't you keep um, on Desert Crossing? Desert Crossing. I thought it was a fair episode. I enjoyed the most Isley shot of them going into the desert. So that was kind of fun. Um, after watching this episode or into the episode, because I remembered it, um, Trip's had a rough first season. You know, yeah. he's, he's been beaten and battered. You know, he was on a shuttle pod. He went through this crazy spell where he was going crazy early on. I forget the name of the episode when they were all camping. When he got, obviously, we saw him a couple episodes where he was tied up in weird goo. And now he, he's having a hard time in the sun. Um, I feel bad for the guy. He's, he's had a rough first season. Um, like I said, overall, I thought it was a, a, an average episode. Um I enjoyed um, I enjoyed the characters in it. Um, obviously, um, what the actor's name from Shawshank, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. I enjoy all of his work. Um, he's um, he's got. Um, I don't know if he was trying to be 
Greek or Middle Eastern in this episode, but yeah, it worked. Yeah, it was a little unclear like, yeah. what he was trying to do with that. It makes me wonder, because you could tell half the time they were dubbing, he was dubbing his own lines mm-hmm. in scenes where other people were not. Right. You know, yeah, fine when they're they're um, welding or something, everybody's dubbing their lines, yeah. But but there were scenes like in the shuttle pod where he was the only one with dub lines. It kind of made me wonder if maybe they had him dial something weird he did back or something. I don't know. Yeah, the the weird. I don't know the. I like the the drawn in um goatee. <laughs> yeah, the the whole. The, <laughs> sometimes you could tell they're they're, try, you know. Is it Michael Westmore still? I think um, you can. Sometimes you can tell the the they're trying to take it a little easy on themselves when they come up with aliens, but this <laughs> may be a little too much. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's an interesting concept that um, you know these people that you know they went out to find Archer based on you know um, rumors and you know stories that got blown out of proportion. You know, and Archer's become this you know warrior because of. Um, a few, you know, when yeah, tanking. what you just said—that sounds really interesting. Why didn't they do that only <laughs> in the episode? That was interesting, right? You know, I I kind of like that concept. They didn't really delve very deep into it. I mean, you know, I think it, except for maybe they're in the middle of the episode and then towards the end when him and Paul had that brief discussion. Um, but yeah, I like that concept about it. Um, it just didn't—I I agree with you, Brian. It just didn't play out very well. I mean, you know, it it felt more like a you know it was a survival episode basically, you know. Um, we've seen that quite a bit that's kind of well you know I'll get to that in a second but uh, Steve what are some of your first thoughts yeah I kind of feel this is one of these hodgepodge where they just kind of drop in all the little standard things that you got to do in episodes in a way and they there's the um, you know you go to some remote place you have a different thing different different scenery the the loud aliens that are real okay what's what's going on with them they're playing a sport thing let's do some slow motion with it you know let's try to you know references to other episodes it's just all these little things thrown together the prime directive obvious reference thing is almost as bad as that other prime directive obvious (laughs) reference in that other one you know um it's just all these little things that just never it never really coalesces in any kind of that's what I was going to say. Um, my problem with this episode is that it feels like it's just all over the map. It's it's not focused at all. It feels like they were not sure what they wanted to do with it. It's one of those things, if I didn't know better, I would have guessed it had 10 different writers taking a shot at it, you know? Um, that, I mean, that's not what happened, but that's what it feels like. Uh, it starts off, okay, I see what it is, and then it kind of changes, and then it changes again, then it changes again. Um, and... I, I do love Clancy Brown. You said you mentioned him for Shawshank. My favorite thing for him is probably going all the way back to Highlander. Yeah, he, he was a, such a bad mofo in Highlander. Um, but even he doesn't seem particularly interesting here. Like he seems a, he seems a little miscast, maybe just a little. Um, he's a I mean he's a big guy, uh, and he's got that dark foreboding voice you know and um the, the, there are a couple things i like you know i i like that they don't feel like they have to really pin him down as far as whether or not he's a terrorist you know you know archer's like I, maybe he's 
got a point in something worth fighting for that that's but but maybe not you know i don't know and that's that's kind of interesting it's a little bit different from other star trek stuff but um i mean that's a minor thing um some of those big vista shots of archer and, and trip in the desert that's cool there has some almost you know production value to it uh which we're not i'm not really used to seeing on this show that was that was kind of neat. Um, I like I like uh, the way Archer just takes care of him, you know, um, when he starts falling down, and then by the time they get into that shelter, and you know, Archer's keeping him to kind of together, and you know, give preparing the water and giving him force, making him forcing him to drink that. I mean, that's that's it's that's kind of cool, and it's. I'm not sure it really shows anything. It shows much about their relationship, maybe a little, but I mean, as far as something new, not so much. But um, well, especially when we imagine. just kind of, especially right. when we just kind of had it two episodes ago, you know. Yeah. Just... I try to imagine some. I mean, of course, any crewman in there, uh, uh, any crewman in there, Archer would have done the same to try and keep them up. But I think that you can feel kind of his love for for Trip here. In a way, you know, you can feel that. I think you hit it, yeah, correctly. A couple of episodes back, almost, almost a brotherly, older brother kind of love, uh, friendship. Um, you know, I I like that stuff. Um, but uh, that's me really just trying to pick out the few things that I kind of enjoyed in it. You know, and um, for the most part, I I think this episode is is a miss. Probably more of a miss than Vox Solo was really. Uh, Desert Crossing. I remember when I first saw it. I remember I was excited because it was Clancy Brown, you know. And uh, I mean, I used to be when I, you know, back in those days, uh, especially, you know, the college days. I was I was a real Highlander nut. I even liked the bad movies and the <laughs> really terrible TV show. Um, but you know, of course, the the first movie was amazing so i was i was excited about clancy brown purely for that um and i was i was disappointed at the time because i thought it was a i thought it was a pretty bad episode actually i thought it was flat out bad uh you know over time you know now i watch it maybe it's not maybe i was a little too hard on it then but it's it's not any good um i think i think it's an easy one to skip uh and that to me is uh, always a bad thing to say <laughs> Um, where would you guys put this episode? To, I mean, we all, obviously we all agree Fallen Hero was the best, but compared to Vox Sola, um, I would put this one below Vox Sola. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. <clears throat> Is it just this lack of focus that we? Cause, I mean, that's a similar thing we talked about with Vox Sola, but here it feels a lot more extreme. Um, you know, it's funny too because you you look at like the golden. I don't know, not the golden rule, but you know, there's there's a list of of standard things that you do say in a in a in a feature script. Uh, they wouldn't do it on television; they can't afford. But in a feature script, one of the things you have to do is for modern features is everything. You know, the, the environment, everything changes every about every ten minutes. Um, again, can't do that on a regular episode of episode of Enterprise. They can't afford that. But in this episode, there's there's sort of doing that, um, but. I still think it's bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad it's wasted. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, it looked like there was a lot of money spent on this episode. Yeah. 
certainly more than the previous two episodes. Where were they? Well, in the, the, the you know, I, I wanted to, to learn that, and I couldn't find it. You know, like the first time when they first land, uh, and um, what's Clancy Brown's character's name? Zabral. Zabral greets them. That, I'm sure, was just, a, you know... Mm-hmm. On, on the stage but but those vista shots of them on the dunes that that had to be real and i'm pretty sure it was actually them yeah i think so too mm-hmm. it's probably about as wherever as close as you can be to la and look like yeah. that or whatever but i don't know yeah. uh, but it's on but it, but they wouldn't they wouldn't have driven several hours that's unlike star trek you know to go more than an hour or two at the most to drive away so i'm not sure and, mm-hmm. and it seems to me that would have been Anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, I should, I, I'd like to know that too. Kind of sucks. There's just not as much info about Enterprise since they, you know, didn't do the companion books. There is the, some, but most for the for the most part, it's just magazine articles from the time. Where are big dunes like that in North America? Is there what desert? I, mean? I don't know, but we got them. Don't we? Maybe we should ask our that. listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what desert it was. <laughs> that's not going to change our feelings about the episode. <laughs> is that why we're so? Back to my original question: Is it just this lack of focus? You know, is that the main thing here? Moment to moment, it's okay. That's that's the difference. You know, mm-hmm. is it? Well, the scene when they're eating testicles—that's a good scene, or not? You know, or is it just? But there's a lack of focus overall, you know. Yeah, it's a lack of focus, and I'd also agree with your notion about I don't know about Clancy Brown's take on that character and things like that, which because he's such a big focus of it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, he's in this episode more than Fionula is in Fallen Hero, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like Brian, I liked your idea about if they, they should have focused more on the, the Archer legend. Yeah, what if what if what if Zibral had had the most of the episode had been on Enterprise and it was Zibral learning that you know Archer wasn't this person he thought he was. Of course, then now we're talking about Fallen Hero. <laughs> 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 Doing all we would have done is say like, why did they make this episode again? Blah. <laughs> no, if it worked once, <laughs> you can't make us happy. <laughs> What's this episode about? trip should stay out of the desert Zabral won't take no for an answer yeah bring sunscreen on an away mission don't eat testicles and play lacrosse (laughs) (laughs) I like that Archer obviously had like a you know sunburn at the end there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah sending off Zabral that's good can you guys make up an answer um well I mean you could you can make up what Archer said there at the end. He's like, you know, we're we're not out of here to be heroes. I don't know. No, nope. <laughs> I think I think they should have picked one of the one of the two things. They either pick the whole uh, terrorist versus rebel slant, you know, how it's all about perspective, or you take the um, it's not the warrior I thought he was. Right, yeah. one of the two. His reputation has preceded him. And it's not correct. Hmm. See, and you could, you maybe, if you balanced it well, you could have even done a little bit of both and made it about um, perspectives and per- perceptions of human beings in general. Like, you know, you make assumptions of what people are like and they're not. But it, you would have taken just. 
Yeah, because you could have Archer discover that maybe he's more of that person than he realized he was. You sure. know, mm-hmm. maybe there maybe there was more heroics involved in that prison break than he was giving himself credit for. Mm-hmm. I think there was, but yeah. So this episode is just a bunch of misses for me. Yeah. Are we done with this one? I guess we don't I have believe so. Yeah, yeah. By the standards of our show, not a lot for what this is about doesn't hold up as well. Um, but you know what? That's okay because today we got fallen hero. Let's do six degrees for desert crossing. Um, I believe you each have one. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm, um, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Uh, Charles Dennis plays Chancellor Trillit, the Toroth official that doesn't seem to trust Tapau or Enterprise. In Next Gen's third season, he played Sunad in the episode Transfigurations. In this episode, who gets a confidence boost after Crusher temporarily connects his nervous system to an injured alien? Hmm. Hmm. Is that Barkley? No. Adam? So, I'm um, reading the question again. I'm sorry. Charles Dennis plays Chancellor Trulet, the Torath official that doesn't seem to trust Chapau or Enterprise. In Next Gen's third season, he played Sunad in the episode Transfigurations. In this episode, who gets a confidence boost after Crusher temporarily connects his nervous system to an injured alien? Um, shoot, I don't know either. Sorry. Worf's been tutoring him, he, so he says. The Forge! Hmm. Is that the girl, Christy, that he finally asks out? Okay, that that's one. Not name, that's not her name. I don't remember. Uh, all right, Adam. If you get this one, you can win it for the day. Yay. Clancy Brown plays Zobral. No, he was never on Star Trek again. Uh, but he plays Zobral, the terrorist that may not be a terrorist. Adam will always remember him for Shawshank Redemption, and Brian will always love him for Highlander. But young people may know him best for the voice he does on SpongeBob SquarePants. Name his character. <laughs> I do like SpongeBob. I do watch SpongeBob. I mean, I used to. I still like it. It's a good show. I went and saw the recent movie. It's good. <laughs> um, I've seen the show. If you remember uh, what they sound like, you can guess it. You can guess it pretty easily. He's a very significant character. Is he the starfish? I don't know. I know SpongeBob. Uh, That's a person's name, but no, that's not it anyway. Steve? (laughs) No idea. Mr. Krabs! Um, (laughs) Guys, do not watch SpongeBob. (laughs) Oh, well. We tied! Yay, Steve! (laughs) I was at a a, um, Comic Con panel years ago. This is, I don't know. God, 2000. Nine, eight, I don't remember. And they did and they did a they had all the actors from SpongeBob there and they did a like a reading of an episode. And uh Clancy Brown was there and he did Mr. Krabs and it was great. <laughs> <sighs> all right. Yes, you guys tied for the day. That's that's nice. That's always pleasant. Yes, everybody's a winner. Everybody gets everybody gets a medal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Can you guys believe I if I got if I if I'm correct here, I I think we're gonna finish out Enterprise's first season in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's crazy. Feels like amazing. 
Um, I think last weekend was the. Is it three? What? Is how many episodes do we have left? Two or three? I think it's just two. Two. Okay. I think I could be wrong. Um, Last weekend was uh, the annual creation show, but none of us went this year. We're talking about going next year, though. Fiftieth. Don't want to miss that. So. Mm Hmm. Um, and I've been following, you know, the little bit, the little tidbits here and there about the new movie, but I'm, you know, I try to stay away from. Spoiler, spoilers, but yeah. Um, Tricor's put up those pictures of the sets they're building. It looks looks cool. Hey, um, so that's exciting. We, we will a year from now we will have all seen it. <laughs> Looking forward to finishing out Enterprise's first season in a couple of weeks. Um, thank you, folks, for spending an hour with us, and uh, you can follow us on Facebook. That's Facebook.com/slash Trek Companion. Our uh, Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. And uh, Adam, you put up your Shatner interview, didn't you? No, I haven't yet. I haven't put oh, that you up haven't? yet. Maybe I'll oh. save it for Christmas. We'll see. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, you can send us an email. That's trekcompanion at gmail.com. And um, oh, you know what? Uh, we haven't asked this in a while. Um, if you got a minute, you hop over to iTunes and leave us a review. Give us the, click the little five star button and say um, that we're so awesome. And okay, you don't actually say we're awesome. Say whatever you want. But when you leave reviews, that's how other people find us. So that'd be great. And uh, you know, we should we should like. I think we did this a while back. We read some of those. So yeah, if anybody leaves a review, maybe we'll read it. Anyway, so thank you for spending an hour with us. And uh, until next time. Please take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.